From the Financial Times in Delhi, this is FT News and I'm Jyotsna Singh. The Buddhist kingdom of Bhutan is best known as an ideal getaway for wealthy tourists seeking the spiritual and exotic. Now, however, the tiny mountain nation is being tested on its real politics, grappling with the bitter rivalry of its two giant neighbors, China and India. To explain what's going on and why it matters, I'm joined by the FT's Emily Feng in Beijing and by Amy Kasman, the FT's South Asia Bureau Chief in Delhi. Amy, can you first explain what set off this dispute and what's the stance of the government in Bhutan towards its powerful neighbors? The standoff began about two months ago when Chinese troops in a remote Himalayan plateau claimed by both Bhutan and India started building a road through that land towards India's border. Bhutanese soldiers initially tried to stop the construction crew and then a couple of days later Indian troops came and basically got in the way of the Chinese to prevent them from building the road. The Indian troops have then been on that land since that day and refusing to budge. China has called repeatedly for the Indian soldiers to withdraw unilaterally. It's accused them of trespassing. It says that they've come unwelcome onto Chinese territory. But India has been adamant that this road would represent a significant alteration of the status quo on this disputed ground and also had implications for India's security. So they are basically staying there, refusing to move and to stop the Chinese from building this road. And it's been going on like this and shows no sign of easing. Bhutan's perspective has been the subject of fairly intense speculation. In the end of June, a couple of weeks after the incident began, they issued a statement at which they very clearly said that this was their land, that they claimed this land, and that the Chinese effort to build a road was a violation of agreements and protocols, and they objected to it, and they raised a formal complaint to Beijing. What no one is very sure of is whether they have welcomed the Indian troops or not, because the Bhutanese have remained absolutely mum about whether the Indian soldiers are welcome there or not. Overall, Bhutan is in a delicate situation. It has long depended on India as its main source of foreign and technical aid, military support, its kind of gateway to the outside world. There are some in Bhutan who would like to see Bhutan lessen its dependence on India by deepening an engagement with China. But India has always been very uneasy with that. And as it stands now, Bhutan doesn't have formal diplomatic relations with China. Emily, what are the authorities in Beijing saying about the standoff? And do you think there's a risk that this could escalate into a military conflict? So authorities in Beijing have taken the usual calm and restraint line. They've urged that both sides abide by international conventions and have advised both sides to remain calm and exercise restraint, which is what they usually say for conflicts like this. However, they've also had some very aggressive language, which has been unusual. China's military has urged that Indian military leaders not, quote, harbor delusions about their military capabilities. This was a few weeks ago on the 90th anniversary of China's military. China's foreign ministry has also warned India not to exacerbate any problems along the border. So in between this usual diplomatic rhetoric, you've also had some very bellicose language as well, which is unusual. 
That being said, I don't think that there is a huge chance that this will escalate into a military conflict. Neither side really wants a conflict, and I think that's why you've seen relatively polite language on both sides. But Beijing has definitely stepped up its rhetoric a bit, and I think that's just to pressure Indian forces to back down first. It's a bit of a game of rhetorical chicken rather than calculated risk to have this turn into some kind of military conflict. China released a video intended to mock India, which included some pretty crude stereotypes. What do the authorities in Beijing hope to achieve by that? Regarding the video that mocks India, I have to say it is one of the strangest things I've seen come out of Chinese state media. There's a potential that this actually was just a rogue video. So most Chinese state media have international or English language arms, but it's not completely clear who the audience is. The content that you find on these international branches of state media—it's not very good. There's often grammatical errors. They release shoddy quality video, so it's not being put out with the intention of actually capturing a foreign audience. I think very, very few English-speaking English readers go to Xinhua or the Global Times, for example, to get their news about China. And very few people in China would have seen that video because very few people in China would one seek that out, but two also be able to understand English at that level. So it clearly was meant for a foreign audience, but I'm also not sure whether those platforms are really widely watched. So there's a potential that the video is just an example of a small group of journalists on the English side of Xinhua having some fun and not realizing that it would go over so badly with people in India and among China watchers. That being said, I think it really reflects. The fact that China has recognized popular opinion is very important when it comes to geopolitical issues, and that it's not solely about just troops on the ground, but also what global opinion is of China's political actions. And this video is definitely part of a larger trend of Chinese authorities to employ things like social media, video, movies, commercials, employing popular figures within China to champion China's political message in a way that's accessible to hopefully. Foreign audiences, but definitely for a domestic audience that trends younger and younger. Amy, there have been reports in the Indian media about Chinese incursions into other parts of India's disputed border with China. What has been the Indian government's reaction to that? Well, first of all, it's important to point out that the disputed border between India and China is thousands of kilometers long, and because it's undefined and there's no agreement on where it exists, it does often happen that border patrols from the two countries meet each other and confront each other in remote locations, and both of them tend to stand and face each other and say, "This is our land, and this is our land," and try to urge each other to go back and sort of assert. That you know the land belongs to them. So these scuffles are not unknown. They do happen. Saying that they're an incursion is difficult because these are actually disputed borders, and there is no consensus between the two countries on where the borders lie. Now there was a recent incident amid these heightened tensions about the standoff of the Doklam Plateau at a lake in Tibet called Pangong Lake, where the Chinese and Indian troops confronted each other, and there was, by all accounts, some kind of a scuffle that left soldiers injured. But India has kept absolutely quiet about it. They have not wanted to confirm or deny these reports, and I think they're trying to downplay the incident. China is India's largest trading partner. Do you think India might use trade to square off with China? 
There do seem to be some indications that authorities in New Delhi are looking at various business deals and saying, if China is so hostile to us and if we are in this situation where a large neighbor poses some kind of security threat to us, should we be doing so much business with them? So, for example, there is a deal. The Chinese company Fosun has proposed a $1 billion takeover of an Indian pharmaceutical company, Gland. That deal was announced a year ago. The companies have been waiting for Indian government permission to finalize the deal. But Indian government has indicated to investors that it has no intention of approving this deal. They're not going to say a formal no, but they're not going to say yes. They're just going to run out the clock and let the deal die. They don't feel comfortable giving it approval. It does seem that they are looking at other sectors also where Chinese companies are active and trying to look at should they come up with policies that put Chinese companies under stricter regulation or perhaps limit them in sensitive sectors like telecommunications. And I think how this plays out in Delhi and with regard to the economic and trade relationship will very much depend on what actually happens at the border and how this standoff plays out. Thank you, Amy Kasman in Delhi and Emily Feng in Beijing. I'm Jyotsna Singh in Delhi saying goodbye for now. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.